welcome everybody to Wide in the Middle of the Home for all things racing and we've got a great show for you. Today is we're going to be diving into stuff happening in the world of NASCAR. Of course, we've got the 61st Knoxville Nationals that literally just kicked off last night. And we've got some news in the F1 world plus a whole lot more. So, before we dive into all that stuff, Keith, what's going on, my man? What is up? How are oh, you? Oh, hanging in there, hanging in there. You know, the kids just went back to school yesterday. It's the first yep. day back. So, back to school, which is kind of nice. Um, it, uh, you know, unfortunately just adds one more thing that I got to do in my day now, you know, taking them and picking them up from school. But, hey, you know, when you've got 100 things to do each day, what's what's one more? So, yeah, I mean, uh, not that bad. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so just doing that and trying to keep cool and uh, yeah, just you know hanging in there, pretty much. Same it. here. Fortunately, it's kind of it's cold off here. Well, that's good. It actually the last couple of days has been cool here, which has been nice. Um, you know, at nighttime, you know, a week ago it was like 110 in the day, and then it was like 90 at night, 85, 85 to 90 degrees at night, and it was humid here. Now, humid for us. Okay, it's not, you know, Ohio, Indiana, Louisiana humid. It's humid for Northern California, which is like, you know, if we get like 60, 70% humidity like that, dude, we're dying, right? Like, because that's just, we don't get that here. But I wish we didn't. Yeah, it, the humidity sucks. It's the worst, man. It's but, terrible. But yeah, the last few nights this last week, it's been it's been nice because we've actually been able to open up the windows, turn on the whole house fan, get some fresh air in. So makes it makes it nice because, you know, oh, running sure. that AC nonstop, dude, you just it's just like ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Like you just hear a cash register going off in the background, yep. you know, it's yep. just ridiculous. So, well, fortunately here, it's supposed to be like the mid 80s. For the next couple of weeks and it's going to be nice and like mid 60s at night so you can't complain about that no that's I pretty can. good that's pretty good um that's that's not bad nice and nice and cool so at least cool for where you're at but yeah, i'll take it any day yeah but speaking of cool we've got to get to the opposite of cool which is hot and the hot seat, which is what my man Daniel Ricardo is on right now at McLaren. Now, for those of you who have been fans of the show for a while, you've heard me and Keith talk about F1. Keith, I know you said you don't watch it too much, which uh, it's kind of difficult to watch. Depends. Yeah, it's kind of difficult for us to watch a lot of times because the races are on so early. Um, even for me with me out on the West coast where it'll be, you know, five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning for me. I mean, it, it's, it's just hard to do, you know, so it can be hard, hard to watch them sometimes. Um, but I usually, if I'm not watching them live, I always go back and at minimum, if I can't watch the full race, if I don't have time to watch the full race, I always at least watch the extended highlights and stuff like that. I follow it rather closely. And one of my favorite drivers, which probably is the case for a lot of people in America, 
thanks to the Formula One Drive to Survive Netflix show is Daniel Ricardo. Now, Daniel Ricardo has kind of gotten a bad rap over the last few seasons because people are thinking of him as more of a TV personality, as more of a celebrity than a race car driver. And at the end of the day, he is he's one of the best drivers in the world, okay? And in F1, he's one of the best drivers there is in F1. When you consider the fact that he has eight Grand Prix wins, okay? Now, a lot of people might hear that and you would think like, well, that's not a lot. But you have to consider, in a sport where usually, not always, we've seen, well, it's kind of swung that way again this season, but for the most part, it's usually one, maybe two teams that dominate the podium, right? Dominate. You look at what Mercedes has done up up until last season, and even last season with Red Bull winning the Drivers' Championship, Mercedes won the Constructors' Championship. They were dominant. For an entire decade, the only two teams to win a championship or Constructors' Championship was Red Bull or Mercedes. That's it, right? Lewis Hamilton had a win rate of like 80%. Like it was something insane. So when you have a sport where the top is so good and you are literally, you literally have teams out there that are racing for what they call quote unquote best of the rest, okay? It's very hard to win when you are not on one of those top two, three teams. And Daniel Ricciardo did. He got wins at Red Bull. He was brought up through the Red Bull junior ranks and was a very, very good driver and showed a lot of promise. When Ricciardo was coming up and when he was coming up, I was not following F1 like I am now. Um, I had grown up watching it. I was big fan during the Schumacher domination. Towards the end of Schumacher's run, I kind of stopped watching it because it got to a point where it was, to call it boring is an understatement. Like it, it was just, I, it's not often that I'll watch a race and fall asleep. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what was happening because dude, he would win by these absurd margins. Like it wasn't even fair. It really wasn't. So I had kind of gotten away from it. Started getting back into it years later, right about the time where uh, Lewis Hamilton was with McLaren. Started getting back into it, following it. Then uh, Hamilton wins the championship, McLaren. Then you get you start to see you know Fernando Alonso gets the championships. Then we have the Sebastian Vettel run where he knocks off four in a row at Red Bull, and then all of a sudden the hybrid era comes in and Mercedes dominates up until last year, and. In that time, right, Daniel Ricciardo had come up and was a very, very good driver. Had won six or seven races with Red Bull. And a few seasons ago in 2018, when Netflix does their Formula One Drive to Survive, the driver that they really focused on the most was Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo and Christian Horner, the uh, team principal of Red Bull were really the two stars of the show. 
and this not only propelled Formula One here in America in terms of popularity, but it really shot Daniel Ricardo's stardom up to another level. And there's a lot of people who really, really like him and root for him um, because of literally that show. And he has done, he is one of the biggest reasons why we are seeing the explosion of the sport here in America. Years down the line, right? I mean, you look, we got a race at Vegas. We've just had the one at Miami a few months ago, right? You look at the growth of F1 here in America, years down the line, when they look back on this in history, Daniel Ricardo's name will be at the top of that list for the reasons why we've seen the growth in America. There's no denying that. And he had done very, very well, not just in terms of celebrity and as a personality, but as a driver. And when he was in his last season with Red Bull, they had Max Verstappen. And the year before that, that the the previous season, Red Bull had signed, if I'm remembering correctly, they had signed Verstappen to a very big contract, like an unprecedented contract for a driver that young at the time. Obviously, hindsight, it was worth every single penny, right? Because he's won a championship. He's going to win it again this season. And he's been absolutely incredible. But at the time, it was seen as kind of a slap in the face to Ricardo. Um, here's this guy who had been really bringing along the team, kind of, kind of carrying the team was the banner, you know, the one carrying the banner after the Vettel years when Vettel went to Ferrari. And now you've got this guy who comes up and Red Bull's really backing then backing Verstappen as opposed to Ricardo and Ricardo decided to go to Renault and Renault was, or Renault, uh, is the what Alpine used to be called. The team is called Alpine now, but back then they were known as Renault. He went to Renault and did not have very good seasons. Uh, he was there for two seasons. There was a lot of problems with the car, which is the one thing about Formula One is you cannot do it without the car. right? You look at Lewis Hamilton this season, he does not have a win yet. Um, you can make the argument that Lewis Hamilton is the greatest Formula One driver to ever sit down in a cockpit right, of one of those cars, and he does not have a win this season. And it's because that car is not performing at the level they need it to be. Not only that, Ferrari's been very good when they pull their heads out of their asses, and Red Bull has been phenomenal, and obviously, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, Max Verstappen, they're all incredible drivers. So when you have that combination, it's a very, very difficult thing to beat. And Mercedes has not been where they're normally at, and it shows. Hamilton has had some podiums, but has not gotten a win. So for Ricardo to go to Renault, which was a a step down in terms of performance. The year that he had left Red Bull, they finished third in the constructors. He went down to Renault, and Renault was like fifth or sixth, which is a big, big drop. And had two subpar seasons based on his previous results. And just when... Renault was starting to kind of get the ball rolling with Ricardo. You saw some improvement. You saw things picking up. Ricardo leaves and goes to McLaren. And that's that last season that he was with Renault, McLaren had done really, really well. Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, two young and up-and-coming drivers, drove very, very well. The McLaren car did very, very well. Um, they finished, I believe it was third in the constructors if i'm remembering correctly 
third or fourth. And it was a phenomenal season. And Ricardo went over. Carlos Sainz went to Ferrari. Ricardo goes to, to McLaren. And when he was brought in, this was seen as the missing piece to McLaren. McLaren had the car now. Now they've got the the proven driver who's going to bring along this young and up-and-coming star in Lando Norris, and this is going to be the force to be reckoned with, and it has been 180 degrees the opposite of that. It has been horrible. Yes, he got a win last year at Monza. Other than that, the results have been subpar. Now, you can go through, and look, I I love Daniel Ricciardo. I think he is a very, very good driver although he has not been showing it this that well this season. And I think he is a really cool guy in terms of what I've seen. Obviously, I don't know the dude, but in terms of what I've seen. And I root for him. I, I want to see him do good. I mean, I kind of root for everybody, but I, I want to see him do good. And this season, I could go out and I could make up all, but not make up, but find all kinds of reasons to explain away his results. Let's not pretend that McLaren has been flawless and Ricardo has been the anchor. That's not really the case. McLaren has not provided him with a very good card. Now, on the flip side of that, his teammate, which is his direct competition, okay, one thing about F1 contracts is, is those drivers are contracted to have an identical car in terms of performance. You cannot give driver A all the good stuff and then driver B gets stuck with the leftovers, right? Like that's not the way that it works. So Lando Norris has had the same car and has done better than Ricardo. Now Ricardo was contracted through next season. He was supposed to run with McLaren next season. And now if you guys have been following the news at all, Ricardo is going to be out. For all intents and purposes, from the way that it sounds, he this will be his last season with McLaren. And the reason for that is they are bringing over Oscar Piastri. Now, Oscar Piastri is the hot commodity in F1. Okay, Think of him as the next Max Verstappen. And when I say that, that does not mean he's going to be as good or have the results or anything like that. But in terms of an up-and-coming star that's the way that he is viewed he's the next Verstappen the next George Russell the next Charles Leclerc he's won the F2 championship I believe he's a two-time defending champion and next season he was he's basically the Alpine reserve driver and Alpine was going to be putting him in their car because they're the ones that brought him up to their their academy after Fernando Alonso left. Well, Sebastian Vettel comes out a few weeks ago and basically has dropped a bombshell that has left ripples through the entire F1 world when we look at in terms of silly season. So Vettel's retiring. He's leaving Aston Martin. Alonso, within like 36 hours, signs a contract to go to Aston Martin. Aston Martin is owned by Lawrence Stroll, has a lot of financial backing. He is a billionaire. He wants a proven championship driver in the stable next to his son. Vettel leaves. They wanted to keep Vettel, but Vettel's retiring, so they bring over the next best thing, which is Fernando Alonso. And many people out there, people who are highly regarded in terms of knowing you know, knowledge in F1, consider Fernando Alonso still, even at 40 years old, 
to be the most talented driver on the grid. Just in terms of natural talent and ability, there are people out there who will tell you that Fernando Alonso is the best. So they snatch him up, which opens up a seat at Alpine. Now, Alpine, they're thinking, hey, we're going to put Piastri in the car. They announce it. They were so confident in the deal that they had with Piastri, they announced it. And then all of a sudden, Piastri announces, no, 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 no. That's not the case. And this has started an absolute whirlwind when it comes to the driver market. So there's two ways to really look at this. All right. Now, the reason why I talked about all of that stuff with Daniel Ricardo is because of this. There's a lot of people when they talk about Daniel Ricardo that will say his lack of loyalty towards a team is the reason why he's in the position that he's in. Now, whether or not you buy that is up to you. Okay, we can look at drivers changing teams and stuff like that. At the end of the day, it's not like Ricardo screwed anybody over. His contract was up. He had a different offer and he took it. Okay. Should he have remained with a team longer, right? Like Renault, for example, and tried to build something. Could that have been a possibility? Absolutely. If you looked at it from his position at the time, he said, I'm 31 years old. My goal is to be a world champion and I, and I'm, running out of years. I don't think I can do it at Renault. That was his mindset. Right, wrong, or indifferent, doesn't matter. That's why he did it. He went to McLaren. Obviously, it really backfired, but that was his reasoning. Piastri was brought up by Alpine. They have invested millions of dollars into this kid, okay? Because keep in mind, before you drive an F1 car, you have to have a certain number of miles and laps and time and experience in an F1 car. The only way to get that is to have an F1 team do that for you. This is how these guys are brought up. So you enter into these driver or driver academies, you'd go through F3 through F2, then you get into you're in these academies, they're doing practices with you at their facilities. They bring you to the track for an F1 weekend. They'll have you run a free practice in one of the actual driver's cars. All right? Piastri was scheduled to run free practices this season in or during this season, right? In the F1 season. And it costs a lot of time and a lot of money. It is a huge investment. And when the moment comes for Alpine to start to cash in on that investment, meaning him going to become a driver, Piastri says no. And he is now going to McLaren. Now, this, as far as I know from all the digging and research that I've done on this, is not 100%. There are still chances that Piastri could end up with Alpine next year and McLaren could end up with or uh, Ricardo could stay at McLaren the reason why I don't think that's going to happen is is we all this stuff has started to come out now and there's kind of no going back all right so you know we're those of you who are like me or Keith right you got a significant other wife husband whatever we've all had those arguments right those fights and you know there's this 
point, right? For those of you who are still in a relationship, right? Maybe if you have an ex, you'll you'll remember the moment this happened. But we've all, you know, I've had arguments with my wife and stuff like that. And every time that we have a disagreement or an argue, or maybe it's a big blow up, right? There's that point that I know if I cross it, there's no coming back, right? There, there's no coming back. And I don't mean like physical violence or anything like that, but there's just some things like... There's no coming back. If I cross that line, no matter what, that will always be there, right? Whether it's something I say, something I do, whatever, it will always be there. And my wife will never look at me the same. And this goes both ways, right? If my wife says something like that, if she crosses a line, there's no... I'm big on forgiveness. I'm not big on forgetness. Okay. Like it's just, it's just, it's, and that makes, doesn't make me any different than any other human being. That's just how we are. You cannot have, you cannot be Daniel Ricardo and have McLaren be talking about buying out your contract, finding, trying to find a way to get you out of that car so they could bring in a younger version, right? A younger, better version. Okay. And then all of a sudden that falls through and then be like, oh, hey, we'll take you back. <clears throat> Excuse me. That can't happen. That cannot happen. Okay. I don't care how much Ricardo wants to stay in F1. I do not see him being with that McLaren team. I mean, there would have to be some serious, serious wounds mended because there's this bit. You cannot come back from that. On the flip side of that, Piastri. There's no, I don't see any way that he ends up with Alpine now. Imagine investing millions of dollars, millions of dollars into somebody's future because you think that this person is going to be a part of what it is you're doing, right? It doesn't matter what that, I don't care if you make furniture, right? Imagine spending years teaching somebody all of your skills and knowledge that you have and how to do it and how to run the business and stuff like that only to find out when the time comes for them to take things over for you so you can take a more relaxed role because you've been doing it for 30 years, you find out that they're going to go down the street and start their own, right? Like that would be upsetting. And then when they fail, have them come back. No, 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 that line's been crossed. And that's where I see it now with Piastri and Ricardo. And so everything that I've been looking at in terms of the news and the reports that have been coming out because right now F1's off. They're during their summer break. It's full on silly season and it's been chaos. From everything that I've seen, Daniel Ricardo will be out next year with McLaren. He will not be with McLaren. He does not have a lot of options for an F1 seat next season. Now there is some stuff moving around. There are a couple of other potential drivers that might move who do have out clauses. But until some of those dominoes start to fall, he's kind of in a holding pattern. Likewise, Piastri, for all intents and purposes, will be in with McLaren next season. McLaren's going to buy out Ricardo's contract. From my understanding, Ricardo's team, his people, uh, his salary was for $17 million next year. I hear that they're asking for like $22 or $23 million in terms of a buyout. So... He doesn't just want to be compensated what he's owed. He wants to be compensated extra on top of that, um, which is understandable to me because there's a chance he might not get to do the one thing that he claims that he loves more than anything, and that's race an F1 car. So this begs the question, and Keith, I'll ask you this, and obviously you never were in these types of situations in terms of your racing, but if you have a team 
right? Like Alpine, who invests years and millions of dollars in your development, do you feel an obligation to uphold that? And keep in mind, here's where, before you answer that, here's where it's kind of fishy. Because Alpine has a, or Piastri has a contract with the Alpine Academy, meaning that it's not the actual F1 team. This is the loophole, apparently, or whatever that they're using to get out of this deal. You see, Piastri has a deal with Alpine's Racing Academy, Driving Academy. He does not have a contract with the Alpine F1 team. And that's how he's able to get out of this deal. From my understanding of it, I'm not a lawyer and this will be taken to court. They have already said that. They're going to be searching, you know, seeking damages and all types of stuff. But if you, Keith, were brought up like that and you, all of a sudden, the people who have been investing in you now want to put you in a ride and you've got essentially another opportunity would you feel an obligation to those who invested in you in you uh absolutely see absolutely. i would too i would too and, well, and and the thing is is if if a corporation i'm gonna say or a team sinks millions and millions of dollars into me to to develop me to give me the best of the best of the equipment yeah then yeah you i feel like you need to uphold your end of the deal i i do too and i don't understand where piastri feels um i don't know if he feels slighted i don't know if this is just strictly him thinking McLaren is going to be better than Alpine next year. And so that's where he wants to go. I don't, I don't know the motivation behind it. I just know I find it shocking because he's obviously we're not guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed, right? Not tomorrow or next year or anything like that. Nothing is guaranteed, but I just, I find it shocking that, you would have them bring you up and do all of that, invest in you and everything only to say, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm going to go over to your guys' competitors. I just, I don't, to me, the, the issue that I have with that is just on a personal level, just on a personal level, I'm I am not one I'm one of those contracts have to mean something agreements have to mean something even if he did not have a contract with the actual Alpine F1 team he there was an understanding there right a handshake deal yeah. whatever you want to call it right so to back out on that I I just I think that just shows a real lack of integrity and look there could be something that I'm missing but I from everything that I've heard it just sounds like he's just like oh this is a better deal I'm going to go there I now would have to question if somebody did that close to me, I would question their loyalty. Yes. And that would always be in question. Like, okay, if we're going to sink a bunch of money in this guy, is he going to stay loyal? Cause he didn't with these guys. Exactly. And that's it's, where it's the... like if, if, if you, if you don't want the deal, then don't sign it because the grass ain't always greener on the other side. No, it's not. And, you know, this is the the thing that we see, you know, we, we see this in across all sports. Now, the NBA is obviously the worst example of this, where you see someone like Kevin Durant, who, keep in mind, when it's all said and done, will be 
in the top 15 of greatest players to ever step foot on a court, right? Like in terms of his playing and ability and talent, stuff like that, he is, there's very few people that are better than him, right? Absolutely incredible. And from all intents and purposes, he sounds like he's actually a really good guy too. But at the end of the day, he also sounds like he's an entitled whiner where it's, you know, hey, I want to be traded. I just signed a four-year contract worth $200 million and I don't want to be here no more. You need to trade me. Well, that kind of screws over the team that you signed the deal with. And if you didn't want to be there, what'd you sign the deal for? Not only that, at what point did contracts just stop meaning anything like that's the thing i understand that he can say that he's hurt and he cannot play I, I get all that man but at some point you know contracts your word your integrity's got to be worth something and i think there's a real entitlement issue with a lot of people a lot of these younger talents coming up when you've been promised everything Right. And don't get me wrong. You've earned it. Right. Oscar Piastri is a phenomenal driver. Phenomenal. Go watch some videos of this kid in F2 the last couple of seasons. It's mind blowing. He is super talented, super talented. Um, I would put him on the level of George Russell and George Russell was I believe the first and only driver to win the F2 championship in his rookie season, right? Like that was the kind of talent that George Russell had. Uh, Piastri's at that level. He's incredibly talented. But when you've gotten your way, right? You know, and you've, you've, you feel this sense of entitlement. It's to me, it seems like this is somebody who's just like, I can do this. I'm going to do this because I can, there's nothing you can do about it. And thank you for, the investment, but screw you. I'm going to go over here. And well, and it, it just seems wrong. It's a lot like the Deshaun Watson situation. Yes, exactly. He, he wanted a contract extension last year. So what's he do? He sits. Yep. You and, know, and counts and why I'm not going to play unless you pay me a deal. And then you get yeah. the big deal. And then, yes, now, obviously oh, that whole other. Yeah. For everyone listening, we're yeah. not talking about this, the, the off the field stuff. Okay, please. We're not talking about the, the massage therapist. Yeah. We're not yeah. talking about that stuff. We're talking about the contract but, stuff. <laughs> but it, I mean, it just shows like where, where loyalty means. I don't think loyalty means anything. anymore. Yeah. I don't think it does either. It's, and it's like back in, it's back in the day in racing or, or even sports in general, loyalty was a big thing in it. And that, and, and I think there's still some old veterans that, that hold that true. Mm hmm. And, but these, the younger kids, the younger generation of racers, I mean, it's like the race craft has gone to shit in NASCAR because of the young generation. Yeah. And, and it just shows where the loyalty is to the team, to your guys, to whatever. And I, if, if I was Alpine, I'd take it as a slap in the face. Yes, I, I would too. And Otmar Snafmar, who uh, is the team principal, and I'm sure I said his name wrong there. Um, he said that they are really questioning Piastri's integrity now. And from everything that I've heard, it's not a matter. It's to the point now, like I said, they've crossed that line. It's to the point now where it's not about getting him in Alpine's car next season. It's about restitution for the investment. Hey, if you're, if we're going to invest all this and then you're not going to follow through on your end of the deal, well, then you need to, you need to compensate us something, right? Like that's what it seems like it's going to be more of now. And 
McLaren will probably and that could step do more up harm and do than it. good on yeah. him too. It, it absolutely could. It absolutely could. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. we got a couple more weeks before the drivers actually get back to the track where they'll be at Spa. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff happening um, during these next couple of weeks. And I'm sure that it will... I think it will be settled by Spa. I don't think this is something these teams want to let drag on. I think they want, while they've got this summer break, get this situation uh, settled so they can, whatever the rest of the season is going to look like, at least know what it's going to look like and move on. Because you don't want that cloud over the team the rest of the season. You just don't on any for any of the parties involved. So... I'm sure they'll have it resolved soon. Now, if they have to go to the civil court to get that term determined in, in terms of the restitution and stuff like that, that might take longer. But in terms of where these guys will be racing next season, I think that will be resolved here in the coming weeks. So that's our F1 stuff. We'll keep an eye on that. Like I said, a lot of stuff happening. And until those dominoes outside of Ricardo and Piastri start to move, um, because there are, we could, I could spend four hours going over all the different driving possibilities and who can move where because of their out clause and stuff like that. But until something happens, there's no need to do that. So that's going to, that's going to conclude our, our F1 stuff. But when we get back from the break, we're going to be, Diving into our, we got a couple of things we got to do. One of which is our NASCAR driver stock game because I forgot to do it the last podcast we did. And last week we actually didn't have a pod, which was once again, my fault. So we'll be diving into that. Plus a look at the Knoxville nationals and last week's race at Michigan. So see you in a sec. All right, so um, we've got the updated uh, numbers for our NASCAR driver stock game. Uh, if you guys remember, we started doing this at the beginning of the season. Every driver is given a share price or a cost per share. Uh, me and Keith were given $1,000, and then we invested it in the different drivers. Now, the way that we came up with that cost per share was we used the driver rating statistic that you can see on, I think it's nascar.com, their statistics. Um, we took that number, divided it by 10, and then each win is a 25 cent bonus. So we invested in our drivers, and then we follow them throughout the season. So the Q3 or q2 numbers are in we're we q3 we actually started a couple weeks ago but like i said we forgot to update you so these are the numbers from the start of q3 um, we will be revisiting this here in just a couple of weeks when we go into the playoff but after last quarter um keith was up a little bit uh he came into the start of the quarter with a little over a thousand dollars um his numbers went down a little bit to 879 he had tyler reddick kevin harvick joey logano he had two positions of chase briscoe where he basically invested in q1 and q2 and then martin truex jr um those went well, overall went down some 
and he was at 879. So he updated his portfolio. He held on to his Q2 Tyler Reddick position and then invested more in Tyler Reddick. So Keith, you now have 29 total shares of Tyler Reddick for an average cost of, I believe it's $9.30 per share. You got 25 shares of Alex Bowman at $8.43, 25 shares of Michael McDowell at $6.60, and then 31 shares of Eric Jones at $7.42. Um, I, on the other hand, actually made a little money. Keep in mind, though, I really had my ass kicked in Q1. <laughs> Keith mopped me up in Q1. Um, Q2, I invested just in three drivers, and luckily it turned out decent. I had Christopher Bell, Corey LaJoy, and Brad Keselowski. Um, I was able to pick up like 40 bucks, 45 bucks. I, I ended the quarter with 935. So I'm 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 still in the red on the season. My updated investments were um I invested more into Brad Keselowski. So I have 50 shares of Brad Keselowski, 50 shares of Bubble Wallace, which actually has looked pretty good these last couple weeks, uh, 25 shares of Eric Almarola, and then I took a flyer on AJ Allmendinger, which I don't know if that's going to really pay off. So those are our updated NASCAR driver stock uh, numbers. Um, like I said, we will revisit this. So after the, after the regular season is done after Daytona, we will do this one more time and then ride it out till the end of the season. So that is that next though, we've got hit or miss. Um, this is actually one of my favorite things to do because I get Mine to too. listen to Keith's, Keith's answers. Yeah, so we got a got a, a few good ones here today, and the first one on the docket, we've got to <laughs> we got to we have to talk about our man Ross Chastain. Ross does not disappoint, man. He knows how to stay in in it's, the headlines. He knows, yeah, he knows how to stay relevant. That's for damn sure. Yes, he does. So Keith hit or miss Ross Chast the incident between Ross Chastain and Christopher Bell was actually Ross Chastain's fault does this hit or miss the mark ah man I'm gonna say it misses the mark I I agree with you I think it misses the mark too I gotta look at Christopher Bell and say dude what was you doing or even his spotter like what was you thinking like yeah, I, I've heard a lot of, well, Ross could have lifted. Yeah, I get it, but you're coming down to the closing stages of the race, and at that point, you're not lifting. It's not it's not Ross's job to lift in that situation. Well, not only that, Ross had the fresher tires, yeah. and he was trying to make up the time. I do not blame him for trying to pass Christopher Bell there. I really don't. Um, Ross had that opportunity. He had the fresher tires. This is his chance to make up time before Christopher Bell goes in and gets his tires. He's trying to win the race. I get what he was trying to do. Obviously, it didn't work out, but no. yeah, I'm with you. No. I'm with you it there. It didn't work out at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you and there. And I wonder if that's uh, the product of the digital mirror in the car. I wonder if I, uh, Christopher that's Bell a good was question. looking at it like, oh, I, I bet I could squeeze up right here. and just That's a good question. I don't know. 
that is a really good question. You know, I've never actually seen that digital mirror. I don't know what it looks like, you know, what they're seeing exactly. So, I don't know. That's a good question. So the camera is, it's placed on the roof and it's just facing backwards and it sits right there on the dash and they, they, I mean, it, it's like a backup camera, but it's always on and they can always see what's going on behind them. At mm. first, when I seen the crash, I was like, well, Ross screwed another guy. And then when I went back and watched it again, it was like, okay, that was not Ross's fault. That That's all Christopher Bell. And then it, my gears started turning like, damn, I wonder if he was really looking at that digital mirror. Like, all right, I can judge this right now. And just a big misjudgment, really. Yeah. I, see, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I honestly don't think it's completely anybody's fault um i find it as more of a racing deal i th i think 100%. it was unfortunate and definitely avoidable you know christopher bell had six car lengths i mean he had a lot of real estate below him ross chastain had christopher bell and then the wall like he didn't have a ton of room there yeah and I, so I, bell had more room to go down than chastain had to go up well, and i keep hearing the whole chastain could have moved up he had a foot away from the wall he could have yeah went any you know I, yeah, so I'm with you. I think it misses the mark. I, I actually would lean towards Christopher Bell's fault, if not just a racing. You know, it's to me, it's actually just racing. more of a racing really? incident. Yeah, it's just more of a racing incident. So, so yeah, I think it misses. I mean, if it was mark. lap 20 in the race, it'd be like, all right, what the hell was you doing there? Lift. Yeah, the exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. At that point in time, you just can't lift. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Next one. After his win in the Ironman 55, Brad Sweet has now the momentum going into the second half of the Outlaws season. Does this hit or miss the mark, Keith? I think it's going to hit the mark. I think so too, man. Because I mean, he's been, he's, he, they I, got it figured. If they seem to have gotten it figured out, I think it was two weeks ago. And I said, well, he's got to prove a little more. And he, he proved a little more. He went out and won a, won another race. That's two on the yep. year. And that's somebody that you don't want to get on fire. You don't want him no. to catch fire. If you're the bottom three underneath him, trying to catch him in points. Because yep. now Brad sweet is could turn into Brad sweet last year year before mm -hmm. and the year before that and now with a little momentum on their side that, that plays a big factor in racing you catch yes, a little bit of momentum and then them guys are screwed yeah he's he he looked really good at i-55 you know night number one i uh, i mean for all intensive purposes he should have won that race macedo just the what macedo did on that last lap was just incredible to get around him like that um, but that next night, you know, the, the, the 55, I, he just, oh my God, he was so good. So fast. He was good all weekend and we've seen it since he got that win at Williams Grove. Now he, it's like they found another gear and yeah, David Gravel is still within, he's like 60, what is he? 60, 68, 68, points, po 68 points behind Macedo is 114 and Sheldon is 150. Um, you know. That's not insurmountable. They can overcome that. Definitely gravel. But Brad Sweet's looking really good, man. And I don't think they're going to have fall off now. I think the opportunity for one of those three guys to to get 
into that points lead and take command was the first half of the season. I think that opportunity has passed now. I think that door is I closed. I agree. Yeah, no. Yep. And if sweet, if then that, then that Napa team, if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to end up with their and, fourth straight championship. And, and I think the best person in the best situation to get him is, I hate to say it, but David gravels right there. Yeah. David gravel has a very good shot. Um, he does not, to me, David gravel is actually, he doesn't have the, the ceiling of Sheldon meaning like, I mean, gravel can get hot, but he can't, he doesn't get like Sheldon hot, right. Where he's going to win five yeah. out of the next six or something like that. Right. Like Sheldon Isn't is one of those guys that they're hot. Yes. But you know, his floor is a lot higher though. Gravel does not have nearly the off nights that like a Sheldon will have, right? Like Sheldon can go out and win two races in a row. And then the next night he finishes 24th and you're like, dude, what, what happened? Yeah. Like, what did you do? Where Gravel doesn't do that. So the problem is, is that Gravel is good. He's fast, obviously, you know, he can win races. He can get hot. He's a very, very consistent driver. The problem is that the most consistent driver just happens to be the one ahead of him. Like that's the only issue that gravel has to overcome. So, and it'll be interesting to see going into Knoxville, obviously um, it gravel is somebody who has done very, very well there, but so has Brad sweet. Brad sweet has done well there um, also. So uh, I think I actually think Knoxville is going to be um, a big determining factor of where this championship goes. Um, even though obviously the Knoxville Nationals is its own thing, right? Like it's it's its own deal. These guys, Knoxville Nationals, we're not racing for points. We're not racing for the Outlaw Championship. We're racing for the Knoxville Nationals. But I think what happens this weekend can be a big determining factor on what we see the rest of this season. And if Sweet has a good weekend, which I absolutely think he can, I think he can. I think he is. I would actually make. Brad Sweet and David Gravel, my top two to win it, you know, and if one of those guys does, I, I think they've got a very good shot to close out the season strong. And, um, I'm leaning sweet because he has, he's been good, man. He's been really good. And, uh, it seems like they've turned the, turned the tide on that, that rough first half of the season. All right. Hit or miss next. With Kevin Harvick's win this last week at Michigan, putting him into the playoff as of right now, the two most important drivers going into the last three races before the playoff is Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney. So, Blaney, even though he is second in points, has more pressure on him than Martin Truex Jr. Does this hit or miss the mark? Ooh, I'm going to say it hits the mark. I say that too. I think he definitely has more pressure on him than Truex. Yeah, because I mean, Blaney's, he's won this year. No, he has not won this year. No, him and him and Truex have not won. He's been very, very close and he's been really fast. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like there's going to be more pressure on him this weekend at Richmond. For one, because Martin Truex Jr. is notoriously fast at Richmond. He is. And the thing that... The, the reason why I, I 
I did this um, one is because if you look at the cutoff right now in terms of the drivers getting into the playoffs, the cutoff is second place in points, second place in the regular season standings. Meaning if you look at the, the, the regular season points right now, okay, Chase Elliott is leading, Ryan Blaney is second, fourth is Martin Truex Jr., and he's only 19 points behind Ryan Blaney. But if we started the playoff tomorrow, Blaney would be fourth in the playoff ranks, Truex Jr. would be 17th. He would be on the outside looking in. So Truex needs to either A, win a race, or B, he needs to beat Blaney in points before the end of the regular season. Now, that is based on no other new winners. Okay, so that would be, you know, someone like if Bubba Wallace wins, well, now he's in. And those two are going to have to win a race, right? For example, or uh, Austin Dillon or, uh, you know, Eric Jones, whatever, right? But if there's not another new winner, if the next three races, we've got Richmond, uh, Watkins Glen, and Daytona. If it is a repeat winner at one of, at those three tracks, those three races coming up, then the only way Truex can get in is to beat Blaney in points. And this is actually, because he's behind Blaney, this is why I think Blaney's got more pressure on him. Because they are in a precarious situation. That 12 car's in a, in a tough spot right now. They're in between a rock and a hard place. Because they are probably the only team out there that has to not only think about what they're doing in terms of points, but also getting a win. You see what I mean? Like they, if they're going to try you know, if they want to gamble on a pit stop, right. Or come in when everybody else isn't, or take a chance, they have to now look at that from not only a situation of, Hey, this could get us the win, but they also have to look at it in terms of if we don't get the win, how will this help? How will this hurt us in the points? Because Truex is only 19 points behind where Truex can go out and they can be the aggressor. They can do just the opposite of Blaney. They don't have to. They, they don't have to make the first move. They can. They can react. They can be the counterpuncher. So I actually think Blaney being second place in the in the standings right now, it actually puts him at a disadvantage, which is a tough, tough spot to be in. And and you know, just looking at Ryan Blaney's stats, he's had a really good year. Compared to Martin Truex Jr. I mean, Martin Truex Jr. only has three top fives this season. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Ryan Blaney does hold the upper hand on Martin Truex Jr. right now. Which, in fact, is going to put more pressure on Ryan Blaney to win a race, for one. Because he's going to have to win a race. I, I feel like he cannot point his way in. Neither one of them can. Because, let's face it, going into Richmond, it's with this new car, it's kind of a toss-up on who can win. Yes, you, it you is. could have Eric Almarola just come out of nowhere like he did at New Hampshire last year mm -hmm. and win the race, or even a Chris Busher who's been at times faster than both of them. Yes. So yep. I mean, no, you're 100 percent correct. Kevin Harvick winning at Michigan just puts a lot more pressure on the 12 and the 19, and now we're going to see if they 
rise to the occasion or fold. And so far, both of them have folded. Yep. Yep. Which is not so, good for them. I'm no, like, it's not. It's going to be interesting. I tell you what, going into Daytona, Daytona has the Daytona has the possible has the opportunity to be the most exciting race of the year. Oh, 100%. right. When you think about it, the way that it could it could potentially set up. If Truex and Blaney haven't won yet, and there's no other new winners, we're going into Daytona where it's like, look, you know, you guys are only separated by 19 points and, or you've got to win the race or, you know, it, it's shaping up like that. And you're at a, you're at a restrictor plate. It is going to be insane. Yeah. It, it's going to be insane. And I don't think you'd want to go into Daytona in that kind of situation for one, because no, uh-uh. there, there's a guy back here just lurking and Michael McDowell, he's been impressively fast every week. Yep. And I feel like yeah. he, he's going to, I think he's going to be a big player when it comes to Watkins Glen and, and Daytona. So, I mean, if I'm them guys, you got to be on top of your game every single mm -hmm. week because, especially at Richmond, Kevin Harvick was faster this past time, the last time they were there. Denny Hamlin was fast. They're, I, I don't know. The cream's going to rise to the top and we're going to see who. Not only that. But the 23 car has been doing better yeah, these last three weeks. And I mean, you, yeah. And Bubba Wallace is a legit plate racer. You can say what you want about his win and, and the weather and whatnot, whatever. You can say what you want at the end of the day. He kissed the girl. He got the money. He got the trophy. Yep. Okay. But that dude is a legit force to be reckoned with on those plate tracks. Yep. He really is. He knows his stuff. And he's got a good car and a good team around him. And not only that, this was a, a topic that, or a point that I had heard on another podcast. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember if it was DBC or, or, or junior download, but when you have a basically kind of like a sister team, like JGR, right? You got a car owner like Denny Hamlin, right? Like those are good people to have in your corner. If you need a push, you know what I mean? Like if you're in the draft and you need a little help, right? Like that, that, that that's a good that's good backing to have. So there's definitely a lot of people that are still contenders in this, right? Like we could go to Watkins Glen and AJ Allmendinger could win the race. Oh yeah. Like 100%. what does that do? You know what I mean? Like what does that do to the points? So Truex and Blaney really need to pop off a win to, to lock themselves in because they need to control it. You know, like you always hear in, in boxing or MMA, don't let it go to the scorecards. Right, you better put them away. Don't don't let it go to the judges because if it goes to the judges, I don't care how good you did. At the end of the day, there's no guarantee you're walking out of here with the win. No, and that's what it's looking like for Blaney and Truex. So it, one of them better get a win. And fortunately for both of them, the last time they're at Richmond, they finished fourth and seventh. Yeah. So I mean, they could come in and have a really good race, but then again, we've seen a lot of crazy shit happen this season. We have. And, we have. And I am. You can't go into Richmond and be like, well, we ran good here last time. We'll run good again. You can't base it off that this year with this new nope. car, especially with Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney. They've been, I mean, yep. Blaney's been a little more consistent, but they neither one of them can close it out. How crazy yep. is it that we're talking about these two potentially missing the playoffs? And I'd say they're both elite caliber racers. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Truex has seemed to have kind of gotten his mojo back the 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 
you know, the kind of, you know, the first part of the season, he was struggling, did not like this car, you know, this kind of mid portion of the season, he has definitely been much, much more in contention, much more consistent, seems to have much more speed. And if he can get into that playoff, I think he's an absolute force to be reckoned with yeah. Blaney. I mean, there, he should have two or three wins. There has been three or four times where he was hands down the best car on the track and then, you know, blows a tire or something, you know, and, DNF, something like that. And I can't, I compare Martin Truex Jr. this season and Kevin Harvick, both elite race car drivers and mm-hmm. have completely struggled with this new car. Yep. And, and I don't think you want to back either one of them in a corner. No. Because of the fact that they are elite race car drivers. And, and I think Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, came out and said, I was being too stubborn with the car. I was trying to do stuff that we were doing last year and in years past with this new car, and you just can't. He goes, I threw that whole book away, and now we're back to doing things the way we know how to do things. And I don't think that's good for everybody else. No, I actually think that Kevin Harvick is He's going to be the scariest guy in the playoffs, I think. Yep, yep. Which is, it's funny you mentioned that because that's our, Kevin Harvick is the topic of our next hit or miss. So, Kevin Harvick's win at Michigan and potential position in the playoffs, which, I mean, it would have to be absolute chaos for him not to make it, so he should be in the playoff. Uh, position in the playoffs makes him one of the most dangerous drivers in the championship hunt. Does that hit or miss the mark? I'm going to say it hits the mark because I 100% agree. Go back and you watch the Michigan race. He wasn't there at the beginning, but once when the middle stages of the race started coming, you could see him climbing the leaderboard. There's a reason why they call him the closer. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason why. And I go back to the 2014 season when he won the championship. Look how many times he was backed in a corner, needed a win, and he got it. Needed a win, he got it. Phoenix needed the win, dominated, got it. Went to Miami, won the championship. Now with the new car, like I just said, Rodney Childers was came out said I was being stubborn with the new car. I was trying to do things that we were doing in years past and you just can't do it no more. So I've scrapped that idea and now we're doing things the way we should be doing it. If I'm Kevin Harvick or sorry, if I'm the rest of the field, I'm terrified because you don't want to give this man the keys to the house. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. You just don't. Um, And, and he showed it at Michigan when he got out front, he was gone. Like, absolutely gone. And Denny Hamlin had by far the fastest car, and Bubba Wallace both. They both had the fastest cars of the weekend. They could not catch him. Why? Because Kevin Harvick is, he's still got it. I don't care what anybody says. He may be old. He may have struggled 90% of the season this year, but he still has it. He's still an elite race car driver. Yep. And that's the beautiful thing about this new format, right? Like, that's the beautiful thing about it. He just needed a seat at the table. Now that he's got it, his his opportunity to to win the championship is there. And he I would absolutely um when we finally figure out who the who the drivers are gonna be, you know, who the top sixteen are, the final sixteen going into the playoffs, we're and, gonna do our own power ranking on it. And I can tell you right now, Harvick's gonna be towards the top of my list. And and you know, we can go back to Pocono. Evan Harvick probably could have won at Pocono. 
Yeah, he he was very very good at Pocono. Very good at Pocono. But unfortunately, you got this feud between Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain, and he was he was a casualty to it. Which is unfortunate. Very unfortunate, because I, I really feel like he was going to finish third and then probably win the race on technicalities. But still. Yeah. Kevin Harvick's not a guy that I'd back in the corner. If I was to start an NASCAR team tomorrow, I would pay the man to drive my car. Why? Because he is still a badass. And, oh, yeah. And if you go back and you look at this season, and even last season, when you take practice time away from Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, it's going to hurt them more then these younger guys that just jump in and drive. Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch are very similar. They need seat time in the car to to figure out what exactly they need. But here lately, it's like, all right, well, we got this. We'll figure it out on the fly. And they've done a damn good job the last, I don't know, four or five races. Yeah, they have. They've done a really good job. They're they're picking it up. They're picking up at and, the right time. And now they're going to a place in Richmond where they finished second this season. So. Yeah. If I'm Martin yeah, Truck I Jr. and Brian be... Blaney, I'm shaking like, damn, we woke up the sleeping giant. Yeah, we need to get our we need to get our shit together because the walls are closing in fast. Yep, it is because they're they're running out of time. There's only a, only a couple of weeks left, and uh, you know, like I said, you've got Richmond, you've got Watkins Glen, and then you've got Daytona, which is obviously the biggest wild card of them all. So, yeah, it'll be uh. It'll be an interesting couple the last few weeks. I'm looking forward to it. All right, last one. Hit or miss. Ty Gibbs' continued impressive performances is now guaranteeing him a ride in the number 18 JGR car next season. Does that hit or miss the mark, Keith? I'm going to say it hits the mark. Uh, damn, we are 100% in agreement across this segment. I know I you. have been pretty harsh on Ty Gibbs because of his immaturity. He's been very immature in the Xfinity series with Noah Gregson, with with uh, Sam Mayer, and a couple other guys. He's really turned a corner on me. And after watching, or not watching, listening to the Dale Jr. download with Ty Gibbs on it, it changed my whole outlook on Ty Gibbs. I feel like... He's he's definitely taken advantage of being in the forty five. And if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm Kyle Bush, I'm not in a good situation. You you're disputing a contract, meanwhile, Ty Gibbs just don't give a shit and he's just there to run the car. Denny Hamlin just told him, as long as you learn, I don't care how you finish, just learn. Drive the damn thing. Yeah. And learn. Don't care if you wreck it, just learn from it. Go out there and just get yep. in the car. I feel like Ty Gibbs probably could have finished in the top five at Michigan. And that's not a good sign for Kyle, like I said, because the kid jumped in a car that he's never drove before up till Pocono, went home, jumped on racing of all things, ran the car Pocono, got the feel for it, jumped in the car, and I think it was impressive. I think he ran impressive. Yeah, his finish, everybody can down him because all, he barely finished in the inside outside of the top 20 or inside the top 20. Who cares? He drove a car that he's never drove before. Yep. Around, went to Indy, stayed out of trouble, didn't wreck nobody, didn't get any any incidents. That I, which is really I saying never... something considering the the chaos we yeah. saw at Indy. Yeah, and and it's a car <laughs> that he's never drove before. The whole thing's different. And then to turn Completely around, different, and go to Michigan and be like, "Damn, this kid's fast." And if I'm coach, if I'm coach at JGR, I'm like, 
That's fine, Kyle. You want to walk out the door? That's fine. Ty, you're coming up next year, and I think it's going to happen. I really think it's going to happen. I'm with you. I think so, too. Um, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the way, you know, kind of Kyle Bush's attitude and the way things had been looking. Um, and with... Get with Ty Gibbs' performance, and from everything that I have seen and heard, it does not sound like JGR and Kyle Bush have come to any agreement, or any, or I should it say, like or, or any close to coming to an agreement. Yes, so <sighs> I, yeah, I'm. I don't think Bush is going to be there, man. I think it's almost a a, and, a set conclusion. And from what I've heard, there's been some potential sponsors say yeah we'll do it and then they've backed out yes that's one of the big things from my understanding and, is the sponsorship and if it it just sucks because kyle bush is a polarizing race car driver don't care what anybody says everybody's has their own opinion but you're dumb if you don't hire this guy to drive your car and i don't care if you're rick Ware racing he would immediately make your program 10 times better than what it is now. Why? Because he's he's an elite race car driver, probably one of the best, if not the best. Yeah. Only he's an incredible is, talent. Only downfall is his attitude's terrible. The, yeah. the Pocono, after the Pocono race and the interaction between him and Coach Gibbs tells the story. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be... It's definitely going to be uh, interesting, you know, just like we talked about in the beginning of the show with, with the F1 situation between Ricardo and Piastri and McLaren and Alpine. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with Kyle Busch, JGR, and Ty Gibbs because, yeah, the more that Ty Gibbs runs Kurt Busch's car and from the way it sounds, I don't think Kurt Busch, I would be surprised if we see Kurt Busch back in the regular season. I. You know, for considering what's happened and him not being cleared yet, why would you bring him back for Daytona. Watkins Glen or Daytona? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and from everything that I've heard, he's safe as far as the playoffs goes. Mm -hmm. He'll make it as long as everything. I think there's only one way that he could be knocked. Actually, I don't think he can be knocked out at all. I think he's pretty much safe on points. But anyway, why would you risk your health? coming back knowing that damn I'm I'm safe till the playoffs. So let's let's just take care of my body. Hindsight fifty fifty, the door is closing on Kyle Bush. The door's opening for for Ty. So if you're Ty, you're sitting back, you gotta take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well and, and he is. He's been taking oh, advantage 100%, of it. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because here's the thing, he may be auditioning for JGR but there, there's like eight other teams out there that have guys coming up with contracts mm -hmm. that you're also auditioning for. And I don't think he'd leave just because his grandpa and his dad, but yeah, I don't think you'd leave neither. I think he's going to be in the, if 18. there was an opportunity. Yeah. Then you I never really know. Think. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to be in the 18 car next season. After, I really after do. him doing what he's done the past two weeks, three weeks has been very impressive. The finishes can be questionable. Yeah, everybody can say what they want, but he's jumping in a car he's never drove before. Yep. Unexpectedly at that. Yeah. 
yeah, like it was not planned at all. Especially Pocono. So, the Pocono was mm -hmm. impressive because one, Pocono's hard. Pocono is probably one of the hardest racetracks on their schedule. Yeah, it's wide. So yeah, I mean you got. They a don't lot of... call it the tricky triangle for for no reason. I mean we've seen. <laughs> oh well, look. I mean look what happened to Kurt. He busted his tail coming out of three, and and now mm -hmm. look. So, yeah. I think if I'm Ty, I'm I'm sitting back, not only counting my blessings, like damn, I'm I probably end up being in one of these cars next season. Yeah. Nope, I'm with you, man. All right, so that's going to wrap up the hit or miss portion of the show. Now, before we wrap up today's episode, we got a couple more things to cover. And obviously, one of them is the 61st Knoxville National. So last night was night number one. It was the Wednesday night qualifier. Um, for those of you who don't know, Knoxville has a, the Knoxville Nationals, it has a really, really unique format. Um, I absolutely love this format. We, we used to do a similar format at our race over here in California at the Gold Cup um, Nationals, where, you know, half the guys would run Wednesday night, half to half would run Thursday. Well, actually it was half Thursday, half Friday, Saturday night was the, the features and where you started was based on your points and all this stuff like this. Like it was a really cool format. Knoxville nationals takes it one step further. So we got the qualifying night, Wednesday night where the first half of the field runs, there was 51 cars last night. Night number two is tonight. The other half of the drivers will run tonight. You get points on your qualifying, on your heat race finish. There's an inversion in the heat race. I believe it's the top six of each heat race is inverted. And then obviously you get points on the feature as well. And then Friday night, we've got the hard knocks night, which is, uh, it's just, Hard Knocks Night is really, really cool where you can race your way into the back of the feature. Everybody who's not locked into the top, uh, 24 positions i believe is what it is if i'm remembering correctly and then obviously saturday we've got all of the main events um last night's winner was logan shuhart now shuhart although he won the feature right now he's actually eighth in points so wednesday night's points um your top 10 is donnie shots is number one with 469 david gravel is number two with 469 now shots is above him because he holds the tiebreaker which i believe if i'm remembering correctly is your finish in the feature shots finished second gravel finished third uh then you've got brent marks in third with 462 parker price miller 457 justin sanders with 456, so I mean, you got not even an outlaw. Then you've got Aaron Reitzel with 447, Geo Selzy 445, then Shuhart in eighth with 444. Then it's James McFadden with 441, and Justin Peck with 441. Um, our man Sheldon, not the best night last night. He is 19th in the points, and that's after only half the field. He's at 405, so Sheldon is going to have to is going to have to run through some consolations on Saturday unless he can race his way in on Friday night in the hard knocks night. Um, Brady Bacon was another one who had a pretty tough night last night. He's 25th in points after night number one. 
tough break for him. Um, we do have a couple other California boys, which is cool. Uh, Corey Day and Roger Crockett are 13th and 14th. So that's pretty cool. I used to actually race go-karts against Roger Crockett. Um, another another person who used to kick my ass in the outlaw carts. But um, tonight, we've got the second half of the drivers. And tonight, we've got uh, Brad Sweet, Kyle Larson, all the guys that didn't run last night are running tonight. So we saw night one last night, Keith. Um, did you happen to catch the race last night at all? Uh, Any of it? Unfortunately, I forgot that it was even on. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, Wednesday nights, it's tough. You know, you don't think about it. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty good race. Um, Shuhart definitely looked good. Obviously he won the race. Uh, the track was pretty racy, which was nice. I'm hoping it stays that way throughout the weekend. It's obviously tough when you're running that many cars, you know, four nights in a row, putting that many laps on it, no matter how much you rework that track, you know what I mean? It's just tough to keep it it's hard to keep it the same. Yeah, keep it the same over the course of the weekend. Um, so hopefully it's a racy track come Saturday, which is obviously the big one. That's the one that everybody wants to win. But going into this, knowing what knowing what we know so far and what we've seen so far, Keith, who is your favorite to win the Knoxville Nationals? Oh, man. I want a favorite and I want a dark horse. My favorite, I could go multiple ways, and I think I'm going to blow your socks off with this one. I like Giovanni Selzy. Nice pick. He's ran a lot at Knoxville. He's ran the 360 Nationals, and he's ran really good at Knoxville, and he's not somebody I would count out. Now, my dark horse? Oh... This is where it gets tough, because, I mean, the field's just stacked from top to bottom. I'm going to go with Spencer Baston. I like that pick. Spencer Baston's a good one, man. He's a good one. He's fast. He has definitely shown speed. Yeah, especially uh, at the bigger tracks. Yes. Yep. I'm with you there. Yeah, that's. I like those picks, man. Geo Selzy was actually in contention to be my dark horse. Uh, you know, he's, you're right. He's, he's done very, very good at Knoxville. He's so fast, man. When you look at, you know, some of these younger kids coming up, just their raw speed, you know, it's, it's insane. Um, how fast these guys can go. Like, you know, Geo Selzy's another one of those, one of those guys who, when he's on, like, man, he's tough to beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? He might not be on all the time, but God dang, when he is, he's tough to beat. So, yeah, I like that pick. Um, I like both those picks. Um, my my favorite is, man, I'm really torn. I'm really torn because we were just talking about both of them, and it's tough to pick one over the other. Uh, you know what? My fa I'm going to go with Brad Sweet for my favorite. I am. I like it. I I think I think what they're doing now and the way that they've looked the last few weeks, I really think um they are going to be a force to be reckoned with this weekend. Um when you look at the type of track Knoxville is, you're talking obviously it's not shaped the same as Williams Grove, but you're talking about a flat 
fast half mile. Yes, it's definitely wider and more sweeping and stuff like that. But, you know, coming off of what they did at, at Williams Grove, you know, and then obviously winning the Ironman 55, should have won the Friday night show as well. He's just looked really, really good these last few weeks. So I'm going to go with Brad Sweet for my uh, favorite. Now, my dark horse, I'm going to go... I'm really torn on this one um, because I've got two guys that I like. Um, I'll I'll tell you the first guy that I like. I'm gonna actually the, the my I'm gonna the first guy is my honorable mention. I'm just gonna mention him because I was really impressed with what he did what, last night, and that was Parker Price Miller. I was really impressed yeah. with his run last night. Uh, he's fourth. Yeah, he's fourth in the points right now. Obviously, that was just half the field, but I was really impressed with what I saw from him last night. But my dark horse pick is going to run tonight, and hopefully, hopefully, he'll do as well as Parker Price Miller. And that's that's good old sunshine. I'm going Tyler Courtney. I think Tyler Courtney is absolutely, um, you know, we've seen him show out in these big events. Yet for some reason, when it comes to these big events, he's never talked about as one of the guys to beat. Now I don't no. know if that's because he runs the All Stars and not the Outlaws consistently. I don't know what it is, but. That's my dark horse because I think once again he's one of those guys when they're on. God, damn, they're tough to beat, man. I think so. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out, go sunshine. I'm gonna throw out an honorable mention also. Uh, All right, I'm gonna throw out Brian Brown. Brian, that's a good one, man. It, Brian Brown is looking really Brown good. A natty at Knoxville because he's he's a badass when it comes to Knoxville. That's a really good like one. I like that one this year. I, I really do. Yep, I really like that one, man. That's that is a very Perhaps very good we one. Have like a hundred and something entries, and it's stacked from top to bottom. Yeah, yep. Well, Brian Brown, you know, he runs. I believe he runs the 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 track championship at Knoxville, if I'm remembering correctly. He runs the 410 track championship at Knoxville. Him and I want to say Reitzel both do. Aaron Reitzel. Yeah, Reitzel's been there a lot this year. Uh, Geo, of course, has been there a lot. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to look. Yep, yep, he has. So Aaron Reitzel is actually leading the 410 points. Brian Brown is second. Reitzel has four wins on the season. Brian Brown has three. So I like that one. Um, Brian Brown definitely. And and he's done good with the Outlaws too, just overall. And I I think the... The secret weapon that he's got in his back pockets, the dude. Yes. Being his crew chief. It's a good, that's a good thing to have. It's a very yeah. good thing to have. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think the dude's that's had a, a lot of success at Knoxville also, mm-hmm. and that only helps. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. I Knoxville's always one of those, one of those events. I mean, obviously that's one of the, that's one of the crown jewels in sprint car racing and, it's uh, it's a really really cool and unique event. And, I always love watching and, it. You know they 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 needed they deserve a big kudos this year because I seen the payout structure for the whole whole event and I'm sorry but I don't think there's a sprint car race that's gonna pay as good as the Knoxville Nationals whether it's a, a no. B main a C main or or even the dashes. I mean it's all paying really well. Um, so the guy that runs the Chili Bowl. Take freaking notes, dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's um 
it's insane that you know the total purse is over a million dollars yeah and you know the winner gets 175 grand uh, you look at just making the feature saturday night you get 10k yeah right that's more than what most insane. events pay insane yeah. so so yeah i'm with you it's it's really really cool man obviously it's a big deal so yeah should be fun so that is gonna do it for this week's show now you guys really quick um couple things first sorry about last week i know we missed last week's pod that was 100 on me i had a ton of stuff that was happening um i am actually starting another new business i've got just too much going on but me and my my brother are starting a new business and i had a bunch of stuff i was doing last week i had my whole entire studio rearranged and and all this stuff and i just i couldn't get things put back in place and and taken care of before you know, in time to get the pod done. So, so sorry about that. Um, you know, hopefully won't happen again, but if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, head over and check that out three wide in the middle. Uh, we've only got a couple of videos up, but I am in the process right now of making more, doing more clips, getting those up. So if you want to go ahead over, check that out and subscribe so you can see the video version of the show, or at least clips of it, you can check that out. Also, Please download, subscribe, share it with your friends who like racing. Get this stuff out there. Um, we see the numbers going up uh, every week, and you know, month over month. Um, you know, even even though a lot of times it's just a slow grind up. You know, that's we're happy with it, man. You know, the the fact that the show is getting out there more and more. Um, you know, even just a little at a time. It's it's awesome. So thank you very much for doing that, and keep on doing it um, because it really really helps and it's making it um a little bit easier for me you know to start going out to some of these other businesses and brands and companies and stuff like that and making a pitch to you know get get some backing so we can get this thing out there even more so thank you guys for doing all that stuff and keep doing what you're doing and yeah if you do that we will be back here again next week so keith my man enjoy your weekend absolutely you too I will absolutely do that. And all of you out there, have a good weekend. Enjoy the Knoxville Nationals and, of course, the chaos at Richmond. I'm sure it will be chaos, so enjoy that as well. And we'll be back here next Thursday. And until then, as always, take care.